What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Chiefs Kingdom, welcome to the latest episode of the AP Draft Room Podcast on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Bringing you today more free agency breakdown, free agency review of the Chiefs. That's what we do on this show, talking draft, talking all offseason stuff. I'm Ron Cobb Jr., the usual voice of this show, but, you know, we're going to go a little out of structure today on on the show. Uh, you know, a little, uh, little throwback to the in-season pod. I'm, I'm bringing right. on, yes, sir, you heard him right there, Matt Stagner, a senior writer at the site. You, you might have heard him recently on the uh, the Stock Exchange pod, pod, podcast, a fun show with uh, Price Carter, a great writer of ours. But Stags, we're, we're kind of back, man. How you feeling? How you doing? Doing great, man. It's back. good to be back with a friend here. It's been a while. Yes, sir. And everybody's uh, – it's good to take a break from uh, just scrolling Twitter, waiting to see what happens. <laughs> Yeah, and and I will say I'm I, I we're in football mode mode now. We've we've been in the pre-show, but you know I did have to kind of cool off from that K State win. Uh, you know I'm sure plenty of people watching, or plenty of people listening and watch that. Uh, that was crazy. We're recording Thursday night right here, but uh, somebody's got to carry the torch for the region after my Tigers lost and uh, my gosh, the, the Jayhawks lost. Yeah, hey, we're not gonna bring up the 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 loss to a 15 seed again. Uh, you know, just not not in the first round this time, but but. It, it, it's another yeah. 15 seed uh, we, and and we talked about it, but Hey, shout out case. Hey, shout out the cats. Mark, Marquis Marquise Noel is a, is, is an absolute bucket. Um, but we're talking chiefs here today. We're talking football, you know, Hey, it, we gotta, we gotta disrupt this March madness with some football talk. Gotta get back into the draft, man. I, you know, I frequency hits, you know, and, and, you know, we do the nice weather hits. You, you kind of emerge from your basement from the dark depths of just watching film nonstop. Um, but we got to get back into it. We got to start being nerds again. That's what we do here. And, uh, and yeah, we love talking draft stags. And, and, and I've kind of been starting with this with, with a lot of the, the co-hosts on the show. But kind of just uh, how did you get into the draft stag? What was your kind of first memories of the draft maybe? Uh, kind of when you first started getting into it. Kind of maybe some of your favorite memories. But then, uh, you know, maybe, uh, maybe any uh, notable prospects uh, for good or for bad reasons that you, uh, that you liked or didn't <laughs> Yeah, so for those that have been around Arrowhead Pride for a while, I've, I've been around AP for a while, and uh, somewhere around 2008, 2009, you know, things started to I started to really get into uh, following the the draft and the you know I've always been a Chiefs fan. I grew up a Chiefs fan, you know, of course. Dad, Grandpa, like always been a Chiefs fan. I never, I think growing up, maybe I didn't uh, I didn't follow close enough. I didn't totally understand the draft. I. But I, I remember some some picks, you know, that were that were particularly memorable in, in, in Chiefs history. But I'll keep it a little bit more recent and, and say, you know, we're talking about swings and misses uh, or hits and misses. Maybe uh, I'll take credit for for two substan- two first round picks in, in the history of me watching uh, uh, the Chiefs really closely or being a being a, a nerd as as per the the team here. Yes, sir. Um, Eric Berry's one that that I wanted pre-draft, Homer. Uh, all that whole process, uh, and and didn't think you know that they would take a safety that early. And I think they were there was even those quotes from the from the team and GM saying we would never take a safety that early, and then they did. <laughs> so that was that one was cool, and that one turned out well. Uh, and I will say that this is a little more recent, and and, and in retrospect, pretty obvious, right? But uh, I was in on Mahomes early, pre-draft, pre-Chiefs interest in him. Uh, you know, there was some kind of going back and through watching it. There was just something different about him, the way he plays, the way he throws the ball, uh, just the way he was out there making plays. That I said, you know, there there's something special about this guy, and it's not it's not just like gunslinger, right? Because you could see early on with him, 
that the ball placement was ridiculous. No matter what right. position he's thrown from, the ball placement was was awesome. So I was pretty pumped about Mahomes pre-draft and and it just elated when they when they actually made that pick. Yeah, and and that's that reminds me. I haven't brought this up on the show, but it is a, it is a kind of a fun draft memory to think back to that night, right? Kind of thinking through like when they first traded up, like who are they going for? I remember telling myself, I you know whoever they picked, I was gonna be for right like that. That I just trusted Andy to to make the right pick, obviously. But I will say, I I do think I preferred Deshaun Watson before the draft. I I do think <laughs> I, I think do. So I got yeah. I got to take the L. I got to take an L there. Stags taking the wow. home run win. A lot, a lot of folks did, and you know, again, right. this, is, this, there's way more misses than, than hits here. But I, oh I tell you, what I thought in, at the time was, I saw them trade up, you know, live, and I, and I was like, they're getting Mahomes, they're getting Mahomes. You know, I was 100 percent that's who they were going to take, uh, and then couldn't believe it when they actually did. And then I remember sitting. This is my, uh, you know, family memory here. So. My my dad at the time his his health was failing, and I went, I went and sat in the hospital with him that preseason. And when Mahomes took the field, I was like, "They're going to win Super Bowls multiple because hey, of this guy." And awesome. and you know, that's my dad was like, "Really? You think so?" And I'm like, you know, uh, there was there was just something about the fact that they were swinging for the fences, you know, at quarterback after going safe for so many years. I, I felt really good about that move. Now, on the flip <laughs> side, <laughs> uh, the infamous uh, Tyson Jackson pick uh, in oh, that man. draft, you know, everybody saw that one coming a couple years out or a couple weeks out, right? Because it was it was telegraphed. Um, I really wanted them to take Aaron Curry. That was my guy that draft. Uh, I liked and, him too, actually, as a young draft fan. I did. I was a huge Aaron Curry guy. And that was a uh, you know he's an all time draft bust, like all all timer. Right. Uh, yeah, I was also uh, a couple years later a big Jarrell Poe fan when the Chiefs took him. That was a that was my guy. Did not pan out whatsoever. Nice. Um, and then finally, in the category of you know players that are small but not fast enough, uh, I was a huge Dexter McCluster guy. Even pre-draft, I thought you know this guy would be a fun mid-round pick for the Chiefs. They took him earlier than they should and, and it, didn't, uh, it didn't work out other than a couple of uh, epic punt returns uh, it didn't work out the way that that you hoped uh, but th- those are those are a few of the Chiefs draft picks that I remember distinctly as, as I've gotten into this and really it's it's gone right along with my my fantasy football uh, you know because the draft kind of has that fantasy football you know feeling to it right is is right playing GM so uh, it, it, the off season is the most fun part for me in, in a lot of ways uh, of the entire year. And, and this, this is the time, man. Oh yeah. No, it's, it, it's definitely the time. Uh, okay. Well, we've gotten another episode without uh, anyone topping me having Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson pre-draft. That's, that's still the all time, <laughs> all time bad take on the podium to beat as we go along in the show. It's a glutton for um, punishment, bringing it up every time. I mean, you know what? I deserve it, man. That's just a god awful take. I mean, I'm gonna be honest. Just, just absolutely awful. Shout out Zach Reader, the guy that uh that that said Justin Jefferson is gonna be better. He was right. He was right. But you know, Stags, we're talking draft. But you know, it's a Chiefs show, and Chiefs have done quite a bit this this off season. And I shouldn't even say quite a bit. Maybe I should say, you know, they haven't done quite a bit. You know what I'm saying? They they've they've had a large number of of news things, but not a lot of them have been necessarily them bringing in guys it's been more about the guys that have been leaving um and and we've talked about that last week we did break down the Juwan taylor and charles amenahue signings um and then all the guys most of the guys that left but stags were obviously on not on last show so i don't know how did you kind of feel about their that first that first wave of free agency kind of that initial wave that hit um how did you feel uh, the chiefs take it how do you like these guys how, what are you feeling about uh you know kind of the chiefs first uh, attack at free agency yeah, it's interesting. You know, I, I did a piece on kind of predicting what's going to happen with all the unrestricted free agents that the Chiefs had. And I didn't intend to write it this way, but as I was going through one by one, I thought this guy's going to get a better deal somewhere else. This guy's going to go somewhere else to get more money. And yeah. one after another after another, I thought all of these guys could leave. And I think there was only, I only predicted that they would re sign two. Uh, and of course, they were two that that did not resign. 
uh, so far. I, I sorry, I I predicted they would resign three. Justin Watson's oh. still out there. Uh, oh, there you go. Uh, but uh, I, I thought they might bring Colin Saunders back and and Michael Burton, uh, both of of whom have signed elsewhere at this point. So this is really the the anti running back here. You know, yeah. they, they had a they had a running back here and it didn't go well. And, and maybe they learned their lesson to say, hey. Just because you won, with, won a Super Bowl with this roster doesn't mean it's going to be the best roster you can build for the following year. And this next iteration of the Chiefs te- team is going to be different uh, than the last one and, and just like it was different from the year before, right? So uh, they're not sentimental about things. They're, they've drawn a line in the sand, yeah. and they've been very very businesslike in their approach to this offseason. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I mean, when you, when you think to – and this is a draft podcast, so you keep it draft-themed – you think about the 2019 draft class and it was Veach's kind of, you know, 2018 was his first class. He swings and misses Breland speaks, uh, you know, obviously that, that first pick the 2019 class was kind of the first that we all agreed was, a, it was a pretty good class for him, but he didn't retain anybody, any of them, even though it was a good class. I think that's a great sign of a GM when you can draft a class that we all consider a good class, a, a, you know, and obviously they all contributed to Super Bowls, right? That first year, they're all rookies. They win a Super Bowl and then they come and win the second one now, but to not, kind of fall in or cave into re-signing any of them right like you could have talked yourself into oh you know Juan Thornhill you know uh, uh you know just a solid player you know at three years 21 million um you know that's a, that's not a bad deal although you already have that kind of deal on the on the roster with Justin Reed Andrew Wiley you know hey you could have kind of maybe you know you know fallen in love with the fact that they he's loved Andrew emerged. Wiley they love All right. right. him I know three years yeah. 24 million I mean you know I know that's quite a bit but yeah, cheaper I, I just starter. Think it, you know, yeah, I, I think they could have done that, and they could have said Juju Smith-Schuster. I mean, right. was a solid player. Yeah, he had some injury issues, but maybe we'll overlook those because he he made some big plays for him. Uh, his contract was was relatively cheap. It was way below what we thought would be the going rate for him, and they still uh, didn't make that offer. You know, I I thought for sure that Orlando Brown Jr. was going to resign with the team. Uh, I believed I that all the way through the point where they chose not to tag him. Remember, I, I was kind of preaching optimism in that scenario to say, hey, there's there's a scenario here where that's a goodwill gesture to say, right. we're not going to tag you because we believe we can get this thing done. Um, you know, they, they didn't pay him what, uh, what he expected to get. He didn't get that elsewhere. <laughs> and then they went and, and immediately – replaced him and and at a higher pay at a higher pay grade so right it makes you wonder if they had basically that same deal on the table for brown uh and, and he wasn't happy with it uh because you would think that that would be a, a kind of they feel like this is the going rate that we're going to pay for because the brown and, and taylor profile pretty similarly in, in a lot of ways right young former right, right. tackle you know uh hopefully yeah. ascending players and, and so yeah, there was a lot of those decisions like that that, you know, in retrospect make a lot of sense um, that you could have and a team could have talked themselves into keeping guys around just because it was their guys when you can get a comparable replacement player elsewhere. And and I think that's what they did with Joan Taylor. That's what they did with Charles uh, Omen. All right, give me a pronunciation. I'm not used to it yet. Charles and Minihue, um, you know, I, I thought both of those were great additions. They're young players. They've got some some theoretical versatility, uh, yes. theoretical in, in Joan Taylor and, and actual versatility with Minihue. And I think they're both potential upgrades over who they're replacing. And I thought the contracts there were uh, were reasonable. You know, Taylor obviously is at the higher end of what he expected to get, but you're paying for future production there. So I thought those were good additions. And then the – the next wave that came through, I thought were actually pretty surprising, but very strategic, uh, you know, surgical upgrades for the rest of the roster. Yeah, no, let's get into it because that, we, we did talk about Juwan Taylor and Charles Amenehu last week, like, because again, they were the first wave, but I, I kind of thought maybe they were done with some significant moves, but I think you can consider Drew Tranquil, the former Chargers linebacker, being signed to $6 million, um, uh, you know, a deal worth up to $6 million, um, him being signed to the Chiefs. And then, obviously, also Mike Edwards, the former Tampa Bay Buccaneers safety, gets signed to a $3 million deal. Um, so two one-year deals, two guys that are former starters have started 
on what you could consider at times in their careers, the, the, you know, in, in stretches, really good defense. I mean, the, obviously Mike Edwards was a starter in, in the Tampa Bay defense that won a Super Bowl. Um, and Drew Tranquil is, is, you know, the Chargers defense has been kind of shaky. And we know that firsthand as, as Chiefs fans. Uh, and, and maybe that's just Andy dicing them up. But, you know, he's, he's racked up some stats, man. So it is very yeah. interesting. And, and, you know, go ahead. I was going to say, he, he gave the, the Chiefs fits a little bit, though, when they played. I mean, he's got Mahomes a couple times, uh, yeah, in both, both in coverage and in, in the blitz. And I, I was thinking, though, yeah, both represent very specific upgrades to parts of the defense that have been an issue. Pass coverage in that second level, pass coverage from the linebackers, is flat out a problem. It has been a problem. Willie Gay Jr. is your most capable player there, and they don't trust him enough to play him full time in that role, frankly. Mm-hmm. They they tried Nick Bolton in that role. He's, you know, he's made some plays at times. He's been out of place uh, or, you know, he's been out outplayed by more athletic uh, receivers uh, right. at other times. And so I think they've never had that true third, you know, true third linebacker that was that was legitimately a coverage guy before going out and getting tranquil. I think it's a home run. I mean, I think it's a you're getting a starter for a you know, for for a good price and somebody that, assuming they keep all of these linebackers, uh, at least for this season, you've got a, a really stacked room with some with some skill sets that are very complementary of one another. Now, you know, the speculation has been out there about Willie Gay's future. You know, I, I don't want to I don't want to imagine a scenario where they're 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 trading him before this season starts or something like that, but. Uh, again, assuming this is the room, it's a huge upgrade in the, in the past defense in, in both in coverage and in, in the blitz. Yeah. So it, it kind of gets us back to, and they're not, it's not just cause he's another white linebacker, but it's because it's, it's getting us back to the Ben Neiman era in terms of having a, a sub package linebacker go into the game for dime instead of just keeping your mic in, which is what they did with Nick Bolton. Like you mentioned, I think that's that's the the floor of what this move is, is is Tranquil is coming in playing your dime linebacker, which is an important position. I mean, you're on the field for very important downs. So it, and, it's an, and Neiman it's, was also the the backup Mike, which which Tranquil right. can be as well. And and yeah, he, he should be able to. I I I've got to imagine he was the Mike in, in LA if he's playing 99% of the snaps like he was last season. But that's that's the thing is is you bring Willie Gay Willie Gay into this conversation. It's because they're similar players, right? I mean, it, what Tranquil does is what Gay does, and that's why you, you know, if you look at the other two linebackers the Chiefs have, Tranquil really doesn't come in and, and threaten their their strengths as players or, or what they do. It's really only Willie that he threatens with, with the kind of player he is. Oh, and, throw some shade at Jack Cochran here, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> South Dakota legend right there. Um, no, but and 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 that's the thing though. So you have that. I don't think they're going to trade Willie. I, I don't think that's what's going to happen. But I do think this is just a competition that may just decide who they maybe sign to a, a decent deal next offseason. Because I do think your pass coverage linebacker is, is important to an extent. Now, you know, you know, you can't give him too big a deal. You know, linebacker is not that important of a position. <laughs> and yeah. so and so that's the thing. Maybe that maybe they're not there's not a long term deal in this. But either way, I think it's just direct competition. And one of them is going to emerge and probably be a better player because of the direct competition. And, and, and maybe both. But, you know, Tranquil is a former safety. So I, I think he's a, a different he's a different body type than, than Willie. Gay. Yeah. And I think Willie they, can still thump. And he's, they, he's yeah, they move around differently around the field. But I. I, again, I think they're very complementary uh, of one another, and I think the whole unit, you know, you can do a lot of fun stuff uh, with with these four linebackers. That that is really, again, this is an upgrade. This is maybe not an upgrade that we saw as a as a giant need, right? Uh, as far as the linebacker position as a whole, but I think we had just gotten to the point where we were resigned to the fact that the Chiefs just don't have good coverage linebackers. Like they, there hasn't been a good coverage linebacker since. Derek Johnson, Donnie Edwards, like it's, it's just not been a position that they've, they've really been great at over the last few years. And I, I didn't think that they were going to add another one, uh, but, but I'm glad they did. Yeah, no, I, I again, it, it's a, it's, it makes the linebacker room very high floor and, and, and very, you know, a lot of depth. Yeah. Tranquil again, I, you know, he has that dime package, but I think he can threaten Willie for just a straight up will, will linebacker reps. And, mm-hmm. and that's unfortunate, but that's the thing is either of them can play special teams too. And so that's your linebackers have to play special teams. Either of them can. So I think it is just, it, it's a win-win kind of move. I, I, I really do. 
How do you feel about the Mike Edwards move? He's he's the safety again. It, it's a position that we all knew they needed to add to. I think no one was was kidding themselves. They needed another safety that could actually play. You know, they they use three safeties quite a bit. Um, you know, not as much as they used to maybe before they they got the cornerback group they have now. But you know, what do you feel about how it I guess impacts maybe Justin Reed, Brian Cook? You know, does do you think he plays over Brian Cook? Uh, what do you think about Mike Edwards? Yeah. You know, I, I haven't watched a ton of Mike Edwards, but I, I think it's pretty clear that it's a one-to-one Juan Thornhill, uh, a one-to-one replacement, if you will. <laughs> nice. Uh, that, uh, you know, Thornhill <laughs> leaves, he gets a nice contract, uh, at least on the surface, <laughs> with Cleveland. And, uh, you know, they he was somebody who had a lot of promise, but maybe didn't, uh, didn't pan out exactly how they had hoped. Still a good player, still fit, fit an important role. I do think that they're they're excited about Brian cook. And I think he's somebody that that's penciled in as a starter at this point. And I think Edwards is that third safety that can play a little bit of that. You know, I don't know if you want to call it a robber role. You want to call it whatever. He's a guy that, that's out there forcing turnovers. And again, what's the thing that we said that was the weakness of this defense in the secondary last year, they finally had corners that can cover, uh, but they weren't turning the ball over enough. And, and so you, what do you do? You bring in the guy that has the most pick sixes in the NFL over the last three years. So oh, nice. it, it works out. Uh, it, it works out again, I think as at least theoretically an upgrade and, and a really good fit in that third safety role. Nice stat poll. I did not, I did not know that one, um, but it makes sense. He, he's around the ball quite a bit and he actually does model his game. He's bottled his game his entire life after honey badger, Tyron Matthew. And, and, and honestly, when you, when you watch him, it's, it's, it is kind of, he has that, you know, quick reaction to get downhill. You know, he kind of, you know, he flies to the run game, even though he's small. Um, I, yeah, I, that's the thing though, is, is I kind of, I've kind of thought about this in terms of how it impacts Justin Reed. When you think about how the defense was, was formed last year, Juan Thornhill was the primary deep safety when the, when the two safeties rotated one down, one up, but Justin Reed was kind of always a free safety in his career before he came to Kansas city. I think his bigger size, maybe they wanted him more as a, as a, and I think he played well as a strong safety as as the season went on, but could this maybe, maybe they kind of want him to go back to that role. Cause I feel like Brian cook and and Mike Edwards are both more strong safety types. I could be wrong though. Edwards is playing a lot of free safety for Tampa Bay. I just think that was out of necessity. I think he is more of a, you know, I mentioned he's like Tyron Matthew. I mean, Tyron Matthew wasn't a free safety. Um, So I, I, I do think it's kind of interesting in that, in that way, because, you know, I, I think Justin Reed, you know, he was pretty good on tight ends last year. He was good at coming up into the box towards the end of the year. I think I had some concerns with him as the season was kind of first going. Um, but towards the end, he definitely stepped up as, as a guy um, filling in, you know, com- coming down and stuff. So I don't yeah, know. Any, th- any thoughts on that? Yeah, just I think the goal is for them all to be able to play all the positions, right? The, the goal yeah. of this defense is to be unpredictable and multiple and all of that stuff. And I think, you know, this gives them options. We don't, I don't think by any means do we have to slot any one of them as a free safety, strong safety, you know, left side cornerback, right side cornerback. They're just going to be able to, to mix and match. And, and, you know, I, I really hope that they extend Legarius Sneed. Uh, and then you end up with this kind of uh, conglomerate of a defense that can do a lot of different things and, and, and force a lot of turnovers and make some big plays. I think that's a, uh, that's a very good thing. Yeah, no, you mentioned turnovers. Yeah, I mean, the safety position was was definitely not doing that as much as it could last year, uh, we're, as much as we're used to, right, with Tyron Matthew, um, you know, for a few years. So definitely good to have maybe a Tyron Matthew light in the mix sure. and Mike Edwards. All right, well, yeah. you know, those are the two external signings, right? You know, some 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 fun names, but the re-signings are, are maybe not as, as fun of <laughs> re-signings. They're just kind of, you know, maybe a little stale yeah. in terms of bringing Derek Naughty and Nick Allegretti back. First of all, I will say, you know, they needed depth into your offensive line. Um, definitely Nick Allegretti makes sense. So I'm glad they were able to work something out there. Um, Derek Naughty, on the other hand, I was definitely expecting him to just not be back, honestly. I, 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 yeah. I really honestly thought he didn't play well enough last year to, to earn, even if it was the deal he got, which is one year, very minimal kind of contract. I just kind of figured, all right, you can find that somewhere else. You can try someone else at that spot. But he's back. Um, I don't know. How do you feel about Derek Naughty being re-signed and what that could possibly mean for the defense or what it should mean maybe for the defense? What do you think? Yeah, he certainly didn't have his best year of his career this last season. He's been a solid player in his Chiefs tenure. And, and of course, he had a, a made a couple plays down the playoff run where, where it That's gave true. you a, a little bit of hope. You know, I, I thought he was going to go elsewhere as well. Um, but 
clearly didn't see a market, you know, came back on a, on a cheap one-year contract. And really, there's no such thing as a bad one-year contract. I know others have said that. Mm-hmm. There's definitely no such thing as a, as a bad, you know, right. vested salary benefit minimum, you know, veteran minimum contract. Uh, you know, worst case scenario, you at least have a body there to fill off the depth chart so that you don't go into the draft desperate to, to draft a, a nose tackle. And you can say, if we had to line up tomorrow and play a game and your nose tackles were uh, Derek Nadi and Danny Shelton, you, all right, they could, they could play a game tomorrow if they had to, right? Like without signing Derek Nadi, I don't know that you could say that. So yeah, you've at least got that floor. You've at least got somebody in that spot. And I, I do hope that they seek to upgrade that throughout the draft. Um, but at least for now, having him there is, is fine. Nick Allegretti, I think, is another guy we thought would get paid uh, elsewhere. He, yeah. he could be a starter somewhere. But uh, very happy, uh, happily surprised to see him back. I think that really rounds out your interior offensive line group. There's really no room to draft another guy there unless they give up on on last year's uh, draft pick in Darren Kennard. So I think you got to say that the interior offensive line is as set as any position on this team uh, with Allegretti coming back. Well, you talk about, you know, getting that nose tackle. So you're kind of short up before the draft. You don't necessarily need one. Do you, and I think I know the answer to this, but how do, do you know that, do you have that feeling about the receiver room? And, and that's where we can kind of talk about the receivers. Cause that's the one position right now where it's like, we're just kind of all sitting around waiting for them to, to make some sort of move, some sort of addition you know, there's so many names being floated out there and we're kind of down to only a few of them now because it's been a long process where, where people are getting picked off. So I don't know. Do you feel what do you feel about? First of all, we, the two names that are left, right, are Odell Beckham Jr., obviously, and DeAndre Hopkins, um, you know, in a trade with the depth chart as, as it is right now, which is Kadarius Tony, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Sky Moore. And then a combination of something called a Ty Freifogel, uh, Justin Ross, John Ross, Amir Smith, Marset, and Cornell Powell. Man, you're just making stuff up now. That's there's not a there's not really somebody named Freifogel. You caught me. You caught me. That was a made up name. Uh, no, it actually wasn't. That is a real person, everybody. Um, so with that, all that with all that said, I mean, do you feel like it, it needs to be done a receiver before the draft, or what do you think about the receiver position? No. I- I think Brett Veach has been pretty consistent since Patrick Mahomes was drafted and saying that they're going to be relentless about bringing in weapons for Mahomes. And there's a lot of reports flying around, a lot of them conflicting. I, I question the motive behind some of these reports. You know, the, sure. the, the big report that came out that said the Chiefs were happy with their receiver group and they were going to bring back Juju and, and uh, uh, run it back with the same receivers, maybe even McColl. Uh, you know, Clearly, there wasn't a lot of interest in doing that as both of those guys signed contracts that the Chiefs could have easily matched uh, or beat if they wanted to. Tells me something else is cooking. I, I do think – I think the interest in in both New Hopkins and uh, Odell Beckham, I think the interest is legitimate in both of them. I, I'm sure that there's a price where they've said we're not going to cross this line, whatever that line may be. And I do think that a lot of the media reports – even today, as we record on Thursday, a lot of those reports coming out saying, oh, the Jets are the front runners, the, the Bills are the front runners. That's the one that really gets me. It <laughs> makes me really feel like it's a it's a leverage play or a smokescreen when you go in and put the Chiefs main contender or one of the Chiefs main contenders out there and, and say that they're interested uh, or that they're the front runners for this player. Really makes me feel like somebody, agent, otherwise, is out there trying to trying to drum up a market, trying to leverage one team against another, uh, trying to you know get somebody to budge off their deal. When Odell Beckham tweeted out, I don't know where everybody got this $20 million deal, but right. it's got to be more than four. I would I would almost bet money that the Chiefs were the four uh, <laughs> that, that he's talking about and that yeah. they, they probably had some incentive-laden deal to say, hey – you know, it's four, but it can be worth up to whatever, 10, you know, if if uh, if you hit certain certain marks and he, and he didn't take kindly to that. So I think there's been conversations. I think there's interest there. I think they will add to the receiver room before the draft and they will also draft a receiver. Uh, I think they're just this room is going to be dramatically different uh, 
come training camp than it is right now. All right. Well, it's it's debate time then. Let's debate here because I know you are going to oppose me here. But if we if you had to pick one or the other for them to bring in and be a part of the Chiefs receiving core lead, you know, obviously be the number one, um, you know, uh, immediately. You know, for me, I would say Odell Beckham Jr. would be my preferred target. Um, you know, I think both of them are a similar age, so I don't think you can necessarily give one or you know one or the other that like, oh, he's too old or whatever. So with me, the injury thing is obviously a thing, but I just feel like his ability to create separation is a little better than DeAndre Hopkins. His ability to, you know, he can he can be your X receiver on the line, you know, kind of you know beat press coverage, but he can also be your slot receiver, you know, win on kind of quicker stuff. He can be a, a deep threat, although you know, hey, you can argue that his 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 you know his speed's probably diminished by now. I just think DeAndre is a little, you know, especially at, at, at you know where he's at, um, you know, in, in his career. Um, they're both at the same points, but I just think again, Odell's just a little more versatile in what he can do. So, what do you think? Do you disagree with me? So the the upside to Odell is that. He's a free agent, so you don't have to, to spend a draft pick to get him or, or trade other assets. And all other things equal, he's probably going to be cheaper than, than Hopkins would be uh, in, in the grand yeah. scheme of things. Beckham had a case to be one of the best receivers in the league a couple of years back, and and he's been you know off the field. You miss all miss all of last year, right? And and has a or has the torn ACL last year, uh, and so. He's a player that you don't. I don't think you really know what you're going to get with him. I don't know how many games I'm going to get out of sure. him. I don't know what you're getting personality-wise with him. I, you know, he's a different cat. I don't know. I don't know what that means for the uh, for his ability to to stay on the field, his ability to you know kind of mesh with the team. I, I'm, I'm sure he's fine as a teammate. Uh, I think he just has a big a big interesting personality. Uh, but I, I just don't know that. I don't know that he's a multi-year guy. I think the Chiefs probably see him as a one-year rental, and he probably sees himself as a top receiver who's just been out of the game for a little bit and is ready to, to sign a next big deal. Uh, so that may be part of the impasse, I, I, I would wonder. But I like the idea of signing a street-free agent as opposed to trading for somebody uh, mm-hmm. all else equal. But I do think Hopkins brings a different element to this game and a receiver – I mean, Beckham can, can do a little bit of this too, but uh, a guy that can absolutely go up and get it uh, oh, yeah. and in, in a way that the Chiefs have not in my memory had a, a player like that. Like, you know, Tyreek Hill for his size could go, could do, could, could make, make plays on a jump ball here and there, but mm-hmm. he also failed on a handful of those. Uh, I feel like Hopkins gives you a different element uh, down the field in contested catches, that sort of thing that, that takes the Juju Smith-Schuster role and takes it to the next level. And, and I think he's more of a reliable player, although I know the last two years he's missed substantial time uh, as well. But, you know, if you're comfortable with his – where he is medically and, and where he is, you know, physically, I think he has the potential to be back amongst the, the, the league elites before uh, Odell Beckham could. Yeah, hey, that's the thing. I mean, you're not going to go wrong with taking a swing on either of them. They're both great receivers. Um, the thing is, if if if, if you do want to believe the reports that uh, that have come out today, it sounds like actually, you know, Aaron Wilson straight up tweeted that uh, the Chiefs were never uh, truly uh, in on the on DeAndre Hopkins. But you know, again, we've we've seen a lot. We've seen a lot of different reports conflicting. Obviously, Odell Beckham. It sounds like you know the Jets are kind of closing on a deal with him potentially again. You know, we've we've heard some things like that before. So if we live in a world where neither of them become chiefs in a sad kind of, you know, um, not as fun world, are there any names out there that, that, that would, that would interest you? I, I you know, besides re-signing Justin Watson, we haven't talked about that yet, but uh, I, I do think, I mean, that's, I think that's kind of an easy move, right? I think it's an easy <laughs> move. So I don't know. Is there anyone else out there that, that just maybe piques your interest just a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you, you could say you're, your heart wants Odell Beckham. Your heart wants Nuke. Your head may say that there's others that are more logical and more realistic. Those are the two guys that you know that would be, like you said, exciting options. I, I think a realistic option, somebody who who really does fit the mo for the Chiefs and free agency, would be D, DJ Chart. Yes. Uh, he's a younger player. He's had good production. He's played with some bad teams and bad quarterbacks, but 
but the the upsides there. He's also had health issues. Uh, you know, I think you've got to check medicals there. But you know, he's somebody that is at a point in his career where you could sign him to a multi-year deal and feel like you've got uh, he's got good years ahead of him. He's 26 years old. He's been in the league five years now. Uh, you know, there's there's a decent chance that he's got another thousand yard you know a thousand yard season in him or two or three you know, if, if he's in the right system and he stays healthy. So that's somebody that I could see. That's the only remaining name other than those top two guys that I could see a significant investment in. Everybody else is just is just a, a prayer at this point. Right? <laughs> it's, it's a, you know, Kenny Galladay and a, a Marvin Jones. Like, can you get something <laughs> out of those guys? Maybe. But, you know, if, if you want somebody who's actually going to elevate the room, uh, it's – it's Odell, Nuke, and, and maybe Chark. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. DJ Chark is definitely the most exciting receiver on the market besides the two we talked about. And if you look back at his combine, which I'm looking at right now, you know, he ran a 4 3 4 40 at 6 3, um, you know, 6 3, 200 pounds, had a 40 inch vertical jump, 129 inch broad, uh, broad jump, which is an 89th percentile for receivers. That's the kind of guy that Veach probably liked in the draft. You know, and, and probably, you know, obviously, you know, hasn't gotten his chance to get on him yet. Although last year they had a chance to get him. He was a free agent last year. Yeah. Um, he signed very cheap in Detroit, which was which kind of blew a lot of people away. A lot of people thought he would maybe get a, a good deal. So maybe Veach will correct it this time, bring him in, because I do think you're right. I think he's the one guy left that you could argue is is, is a legitimate, you know, upgrade and, and kind of, uh, you know, actually does elevate your room to a point where you feel better about it, a lot better about it going into the draft. Yeah, I mean, otherwise you're you're talking like, and this is why part of why I think they let Juju walk is I do think that there's a lot of people that could fill that role at least to the level that he did it last year. Um, that's not a unique role in this league to have a receiver that's you know can run those intermediary routes and 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 is not a necessarily a burner or a big play guy mm-hmm. but is going to be potentially reliable. The the guy who is probably in the dictionary next to that definition uh, would be a Jarvis Landry over his career <laughs> has been the guy who has never been exciting to anybody, but uh, just flat out makes tough catches. I, I thought they were going to sign him last year. Yeah. And, you know, he, he went on to, to not really saints this past year. Uh, and I think he also had an injury if I remember correctly, but, he was in 2021 showed enough that I was like, okay, <laughs> this guy's yeah. got something left. And, and they had him, they had him on trick plays. They had him on goal line stuff. They had him in. And as your extreme possession receiver, yeah. you know, I, I talked myself into him last year thinking that they were going to have to settle for a player like that when he came available. Uh, you know, he's, but he's 30 now. And again, you know, they, they're not going to invest significant assets in him. So this, Again, we're we're praying if, if it's not one of those top three guys. All right. It's time to throw it to break. We will be back on the other side to talk more. We'll go draft focus on the other side and uh, you know get back into talking about the Kansas City draft coming up in about a month and a week from now. We got five weeks till the draft, roughly. We'll be back on the other side. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 
What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, we are back on the AP Draft Room podcast. Appreciate you listening, not watching. I'm used to the AP Film Room YouTube show. Make sure you're watching that, though. We are breaking down draft prospects, the X's and O's, getting you ready. But talking about draft prospects, it's time for Prospect of the Week. Hey, Prospect. We have other prospects. Prospect of the Week. That's right. It is time. Favorite segment, but for any Arrowhead Pride podcast member, uh, I, I know it is. I, I have to believe. So, Stags, you are a very lucky person being able to, to join me today to potentially name a Chiefs pick. Now, because this is this is the whole thing. We're not just naming our favorite prospects. We're not just naming willy nilly who uh, who you know who we like in the draft. We are naming guys that, and actually, one of them I'm already looking at is probably not going to reach the Chiefs anymore after a good combine day. But we are we are trying to predict who the Chiefs could take. Um, trying to predict as many Chiefs draft picks as possible. We've been a little top heavy. We got a lot of uh, top of the draft guys, but we'll get into the, the deeper end guys. But uh, Stags, who did you bring for show and tell today uh, for prospect of the week? Well, we're going to stay on this topic of wide receivers and say that Patrick Mahomes is going to need some more weapons. They're going to invest at the position. I think they're going to sign a free agent and draft a guy relatively early. They've drafted a lot of second round type wide receivers in the past, right? So they've, They've they've gone out and and put some 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 assets here and there with McCole Hardman's and the uh, you know the Sky Moors of the world. I would like to see them take a swing early uh, on a receiver that could step in and be you know be a threat and and be an early contributor for once. I think you got to do that early. I think it's got to be a first round pick. I want to say Jackson Smith in Jigba as my guy. Because uh, I kind of have these these Chris Olave vibes with a, and maybe some of that's the the uniform, and, and some of it's the player. But I, I think he's going to be gone early. Uh, so my prospect of the week is a just a, a straight up speed wide receiver, something that they're they're lacking the position. The Legion of Zoom is now entirely right, entirely man. dismantled. Every single one of those guys is gone. They've got to add some more pop. Uh, and I think you get that with, with Jalen Hyatt, the wide receiver from Tennessee. There's a guy that can get downfield, uh, creates a ton of separation, as you noticed, and, and you know seems to have pretty good hands. I think he's a player that you can develop. He probably had a simplified route tree at Tennessee, but you can get him into the playbook here and, and at least have uh, somebody that can, that can play the McColl Hardman role when, when McColl was a rookie, not the McColl Hardman role now. But the, the Hardman as a rookie, when he got loose deep and he had every game he had two catches for 70 yards and a touchdown because he got loose at least once a game and, and made a big play, but could also do some of the, the trick play, end-around type stuff. Uh, I, I could see Hyatt starting off in, in that rookie McColl Hardman role where he scored, what, seven touchdowns his rookie year and, and was a factor. And, and I think – you've got more upside with Hyatt maybe than you had with McColl. So that's somebody that I, I, I think I could see the Chiefs targeting as a way to to bring some more pop back to the wide receiver room. Yeah, I mean, you know the Chiefs are going to value speed. That's just a fact, and and that guy's got it. I mean, that's the thing you can make the argument is he, he, he has the best trait of any receiver in, in the class in terms of just a singular trait, and it's deep speed, deep separation, vertical ability. And, and that's the thing. You talk about McColl, you know, as that offense evolved with him in it, he also had to play with Tyreek Hill, which didn't give anybody a lot of opportunities to get vertical, right? And and so I think as this as this offense continues to evolve, if they don't have the same kind of, you know, maybe uh, receiving talent, as we kind of saw last year, you're going to get more deep opportunities. And, and you know, if you have both MBS and Jalen Hyatt, you can kind of maybe mix and match which one's, go, you know, going deep on certain plays. All of a sudden, yeah, you may be getting back to where you're getting bombs again, you know, kind of like we were used to in 2018. You know, it's, it's, it's a, I like the thought. I like and, the you thought. know, that, that would be a fun thing. Did receivers not get 
deep targets uh, with Tyree Hill because he was because he was getting all the targets uh, or running all of those routes, or was it just be, just because like he was just always open when he when he got down the field, right? So like you you could have another fast guy going deep with Tyreek Hill on the other side, and he's just not going to get the ball because you know Hill's open, even if the other <laughs> guy gets the ball. Yeah, well, you know, more just about how Tyreek really just like forced defenses, it felt like, to get into two high shells and just really put caps on the vertical game, you know, in general, not even just mm-hmm. on, on Tyreek Hill. Um, and, and that, you know, it, it does hamper a guy like McColl who is supposed to just get loose and, and, you know, get wide open down the field when he's man covered one-on-one in a single, in a, high, in a one high safety, you know, when he got a one high safety look, you're supposed to get more of those looks naturally in the NFL, but when you're playing on an offense that every team is scared out of their minds to, to let a big play go, there's not going to get him. So That's maybe what I'm, saying. I'm those... wondering if McColl was actually open a lot of those times and he just never got the ball because it just automatically is going to Hill. But, you know, the, this offense has evolved, right? And, and you saw, this last year, I think, was the uh, some of the lowest, you know, down the field, you know, plays or completions in Mahomes' career. I think they, they might be ready to reintroduce some more of that. I think they might say, okay, he's evolved to the point now where he's spreading the ball around. He's okay taking the short stuff. Maybe defenses aren't as worried. Again, they don't have any one singular threat like they had at Tyreek Hill. Maybe they can then start mixing in some more of the, the deep plays. And I think they just need to have that consistent threat. And it can't just be MVS because his his consistency yeah. is just not there. So uh, yeah. th- that's my prospect of the week, Jalen Hyatt, Jalen Hyatt, the wide receiver from Tennessee. Well, hey, we're not going to go too far. We're not going to go too far from Knoxville, Tennessee, because I am picking Cedric Tillman, the wide receiver from Tennessee, someone that should be a little available a little later, um, maybe in the second round, possibly. Pro- you know, especially with the Chiefs pick, I would say second round is probably the only place they're going to have a chance Adam. he may even go earlier in the second round because he is a, a unique combination in my opinion maybe not unique but just a good combination of size and athleticism and playmaking you know he comes in at 6'3 213 pounds at the combine has the 10 inch hand so you know he's got big paws to grab the ball out of the air has the good explosive numbers had a 37 inch vertical at 6'3 213 had a 10-1 broad jump those are both pretty good numbers for his size not the greatest 40 time, I will say, you know, a four, five, five, 40. But all that to say is when you watch him and, and you see him, you see his size, you see it show up, you know, he's, he's a good blocker. You know, he, he can, he can, um, you know, block on the edge, block through wide receiver screen screens, all that, but he can make plays, you know, he, he can get, get vertical, you know, he can create separation down the field. He can, you know, catch the ball and make plays after the catch. He is a little bit more of a possession receiver. You're not, he's not, you're not going to get him a ton on, you know, Hey, catch the ball and go make a huge play after the catch. But, you know, hey, that, that's the thing that we're kind of missing maybe with Juju. We'll, we'll see. Um, that might be the thing they're missing is, in this receiving core is a, is, a, is a kind of a bigger body that, again, I don't think they need a straight X receiver, but maybe just a bigger body that can still do a lot of the versatility things. Cedric Tillman played in a wide-open offense in Tennessee. He was actually going to be a first-round pick last year in 2021, but he came back to school, played through a foot injury, and, and it might have tanked his draft stock a little bit, but he just wanted to – he just wanted to play with his guys. That's what the reports came out. He just wanted to play with his teammates. He didn't want to, you know, skip the the year and like, you know, because he got hurt earlier in the season. He could have just said, hey, I'm just going to prepare for the draft. So he's a dog is what I'm trying to tell you, Stags. He is a dog. And I like Cedric Tillman. I, I do think if the Chiefs want to pick receiver a little later than the first round pick, use it on something else and still get a guy that they that can kind of fit in the offense right away. I think Tillman could have a could have a role right away. I think he's a little more than just a a, a six three receiver, a typical six three receiver. So I like it. Yeah, yeah. You gotta you gotta build that uh, that additional X wide receiver on top of Travis Kelsey, and and it's it's got to come from somewhere, and you need a long term solution there. So whether they bada bing bada boom, whether they sign a, a multi year deal with with a guy or or they draft somebody or both, uh, you know, it's an important role, and I think it'd be nice to have that well rounded physical physical play. That Tillman can bring. Yes, exactly. And there's a few other guys with the, the good size speed combo. I just think he's the best of them in terms of a guy with a little more size than maybe your, uh, you know, maybe your your Jalen Hyatt's or your Jordan Addison's or your Zay Flowers in this class. So it's an interesting receiver class, not the greatest one. But Stags, we're talking kind of that top end of the class, right? The top end of the draft. Let's just let's just throw out some some draft uh, hypotheticals, I guess, or maybe just some questions about the draft. When we're talking about when you're kind of envisioning day one, it's in Kansas City, it's at Union Station, you're there, you're looking at it, you're watching it. 
what do you think is the ideal day one in Kansas City? What do you think when you when you kind of make you know when you're painting a perfect picture of what you want to happen with the Chiefs' first pick? What do you think happens on, on day one of Kansas City, or you know not what do you think happens? What do you want to happen? <laughs> yeah, I'm all about the ridiculous scenario at this point because nobody knows picking the pick thirty one. Right. It's it's pretty hard to predict, um, but. I will be there. This will be the first draft I've attended. I'll be excited to to be there in person in Kansas City watching these picks fall. And I would love to see them go maybe an unconventional route, at least in comparison to what most people are thinking. I want to see them draft an impact player in the first round and an impact player that's, that's a physical freak. I would like to see them take a pass rusher, um, in that first round, maybe a wide receiver if the right guy is there. I'm not looking for the tackle of the future here uh, in the first round, as everybody's assuming they're going to take. So in my ideal scenario, they've made another move, a second move at offensive tackle prior oh. to the draft. There may be a reclamation project or two out there that could give you enough uh, intrigue at the other tackle position that they don't have to, they don't feel the need to press it in the first round. Whether that's newly fit DJ Fluker, uh, fresh off his <laughs> pro day appearance this week, whether it's Lael Collins, who is reported to be uh, on the outs uh, from his current team, uh, a guy like that coming in to compete with uh, the players you have on the right hand side already, with like Lucas Niang, uh, who many have already said, uh, including Trey Wingo, who said, it matter of factly, he is the right tackle uh, opening day for the Chiefs uh, at this point. Uh, you know, until they until they do something else, right? So I'm going to go into the assumption that they've they feel comfortable enough with their tackles that they're going to go a different route. I want to see them go for, you know, again the physical freaks. Let's say Nolan Smith is there at the end of yeah. the first round, a yes, complete and total departure from what they normally do at the edge position. Let's get an absolute speed rusher that's just an, a freak of nature, an explosive athlete, somebody that can can just – that you can figure out what to do with. He, he right. doesn't fit the mold of a Steve Spagnuolo defensive end, but as a lot of people were saying, when Orlando Brown Jr. is the left, ta- left tackle for the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, maybe you want to send <laughs> a, a speed rusher his way. Uh, as a way to uh, to to you know counteract, it may be the might be the chess move this year. So, give me Nolan Smith or you know Felix Induke Uzama in that first round. Uh, so let me, give me an, a, an elite edge rusher uh, with that pick, even if they have to trade up a little bit. Uh, that's that's my that's my dream first round pick at this point. Well, I mean, you know, other freak guys are kind of tweeners, but, you know, you could bring the Kansas City kid home, uh, Adebare as his last name. I'm not going to say his first name from Northwestern. Uh, you know, Kalijah Kansi is another freak defense, although, I, you know, he's he's going to be a kind of a tough fit with the Chiefs with Chris Jones already as a three-tech. But, yeah, no, I, I think you have some options. You know, Derek Hall I really like as a kind mm-hmm. of a freaky kind of edge rushing type. Hey, he has the body type too that Spagnola will, will sign. He does, yeah. Him, so. He seems like the most obvious fit at, at edge to me. Probably, feels, yeah. like, feels like that guy. Uh, that's why I'm saying this is my unrealistic scenario where I'm throwing Spagnolo's tendencies out the window and, oh, yeah. and going for the athletic freak. I, I was a uh, I was a big fan uh, of of some of the speed rushers that have that we always just see the, the Chiefs just not even in the ballpark with it. Even if they were there, you'd probably let them go. Uh, so, yeah, let, let's go physical freak speed rusher in the first round, even even with a little trade-up. Well, Stags, I'm going to completely ignore everything you just said because that is not what my ideal day one looks like. <laughs> it actually looks quite different from your ideal day one. My ideal day one, you know what, Stags? I, I, I just want them – with this tackle class, I'm in love with this offensive tackle class. I really feel like there's a lot of guys they could go after. I really want them to go up and get whoever they think is the guy. Ideally to me, it's a left tackle. So you can keep Jawan Taylor on the right side. Cause I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty strong on the fact that if we can do it, if there's a way you can, you know, confidently have a, a good left tackle while keeping him on the right side, you need to do that. 
I think you need to go up and get a guy like Anton Harrison. That's my favorite draft prospect in this class of, of, off, of the offensive tackles. I think, you know, I have Broderick Jones, a Georgia tackle rated higher, but I just don't think he's going to be in anywhere sort of range. It does seem like Anton Harrison, he is kind of picking up steam as the draft has gotten closer, unfortunately, because he was kind of a late first round pick uh, and he still kind of is, but if they can get to a range where they can get him, um, you know, if Paris Johnson Jr. falls at all, I don't think he will. I think he's going to be the first tackle taken prob- probably. Um, even Skaronsky, if he falls at all because teams don't think he can play tackle, I think he can. You could, you know, if you wanted to, you could play him at right tackle. I think he all that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So all that to say, though, is is I like this tackle class. I think it's a chance to solidify the offensive line for the foreseeable future, both your tackle spots, because I don't think I don't like having either or tackle spot and not a, a firm position. I like having two good answers. And the other thing, too, is people want to talk about, oh, well, you know, you're paying Juwan Taylor, your right tackle, so much money, but he's not a left tackle. Well, you offset that with the left tackle making rookie deal money. And, and who cares which side is making more money anymore? I mean, it's today's NFL. Yeah. My point is just that I don't like Juwan Taylor having to just switch sides automatically. If we can, if we can try to not let that happen, I'd be in favor of that. But that's my deal day one is getting a, a future franchise left tackle stags. I hear it, and I think that's you know reasonable thinking. If you see a guy that you, you know is a franchise guy, I think Anton Harrison is probably a, a good call there. I love Darnell Wright, but I, I do think he's a right, right. tackle only. Um, and, but yeah, and and even, but even even that, I'd say like, hey, I'd, I'd if you want to move Juan Taylor to left, and then if you feel more comfortable, you know, at least it's a first round tackle, and and at least it's a good investment. So I'm I'm with you on that too. I like Darnell Wright. Now, but I do think this is a pretty strong tackle class. So two point two counterpoints. One, Mahomes has shown such an ability to to avoid taking sacks that they don't need two elite tackles uh, for him to function in, in the way in an MVP manner. So, uh, you know, why over why do why overkill uh, at the offensive line uh, position? But also, it's such a deep tackle class. Uh, what is the difference between taking Anton Harrison and waiting on a Matthew Bergenon or a Blake Freeland, you know, later in the draft? Uh, is there is there enough of a difference to justify not only that thirty-one pick but also the trade up? And trade ups can be ridiculously expensive, you know. And yeah. The Chiefs the Chiefs got away with a relatively cheap trade up with Sky Moore. Uh, I'm sorry, with uh, uh, Trent McGuffey with Trent McDuffie last year, that was a relatively unexpected trade up. But if they're going dipping into future picks, giving up their second round pick, you know, you, you better to me get an impact player. Uh, I'm not so sure that a tackle you're going to notice that much of a difference. That's that's a very fair point. We've we've seen Mahomes just win a Super Bowl with Andrew Wiley, which, Hey, Wiley's a really good player, but again, not an elite tackle, not someone you'd take in a first round, second round in an NFL draft. Orlando Brown Jr., I mean, you know, I mean, we all can kind of, you know, say the liabilities he has as a pass protector. but And they've yeah, already I, upgraded on one of those positions. We don't know which one yet, but they've already upgraded on one of those positions with, with, with Taylor. We think. Um, just, I, <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm just not, I don't, I'm not, I'm uneasy about just throwing a guy a left tackle after he's played right tackle his entire life, um, pretty much. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm, I'm uneasy about it a little bit. That's why I, I just want to find a way maybe for not that to happen. I know they're saying it, but maybe it's just a, you know, kind of a way to just kind of keep, um, you know, keep kind of their plans hidden, you know, to not necessarily yeah. know what's going on. But, uh, you know, I, I will say though, when you mentioned kind of, you know, it's a deep ja- tra- tackle class, it is, but tackle is one of those positions kind of like edge rusher, right. Um, where you really need to invest a, a pretty substantial pick to get, if you want like a legitimate starter, um, I know the chiefs have gotten away with it, you know, obviously at right tackle, um, you know, I, you know, I think Lucas Nang is a guy that could have went earlier if he wasn't hurt, you know, he hurt his hip halfway through his last year in college. I think that drove his, his, his stock down, you know, Wiley, obviously an undrafted free agent, they took turned into a tackle. I mean, that's, that's obviously impressive, but you mentioned like break like Blake Freeland is, is not going to be a starting tackle next year, or maybe even the year after that. Um, he he's just an athletic freak, but he's not he's not ready to come in and start right away. But you know, Matthew Bergeron's a guy I'm a huge fan of. I do think he can play tackle pretty you know pretty quickly. So if you know, and, and that's it's a good point where if you can get him in the second round, I probably would say let's do that route instead of trading up, uh, you know, for an Anton Harrison just because I think they're pretty good players. But again, 
I do think offensive tackle is one of those positions. You just have to take if you want to if you want a legit guy, which that's what I'm saying. Hey, you know, that's my ideal day one is getting a legit left tackle. You do have to take him, I would think, pretty early um, to get that guy. It's not, you know, you're, it's just one you're of those entitled to that opinion. Absolutely. It's a uh, and, and it's not a wrong one. I mean, the the to be able to say that you have the best offensive line in the league behind and, and the best quarterback in the league behind it, you know, is makes everything else easier. Right. It makes the rest of the offense just just that much uh, smoother and, and hopefully prolongs Mahomes' career as well. So, you know, you'll never go wrong investing in offensive line, probably. But I I have a little bit of faith in Lucas Niang. Uh, coming back, he was a player that I've yeah, liked. All he hasn't along. really been given a chance, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. It, is, it is a fair point. Yeah, so I I, th- I think in in theory, Niang could be better than Wiley, and and uh, Taylor could be better than Brown, or at least comparable, you know, out of the gate if if that goes well. But yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, I I think conventional wisdom is probably that that you're closer to accurate on what the Chiefs would actually do this year. They probably will invest in the offensive tackle position uh, as opposed to taking a swing on an athletic edge rusher early. But, uh, but Hey, that's, that's why, that's why this is not prediction time. This is what we want to see. Well, okay. So yeah, you talk about, we're talking about trade-ups, right? Um, We're talking about moving draft capital to go up and get guys. They have 10 picks. I mean, are, are, are we, are they making all 10 pick stacks? Um, Are they, do you think they end up with 10 draft picks or how, how how aggressive do you see them being? I mean, could they kind of shed quite a bit and only br- come home with four or five guys? I mean, what do you what do you think? And and is there any benefit or, or is there any disadvantage you see to you know having a lot of guys in, in the draft after two drafts of of pretty solid guys? Or you know, what do you think about how they can attack this year's draft with the draft capital they have? Yeah, I don't think there's any way they're making ten picks. Uh, they're probably not making four either. It's going to be somewhere in between those. That's the right. uh, that's the high end, the low end. Um, I think that there's a there's a good case to be made that they've built a, a solid enough foundation with this roster, with two stellar draft classes back to back, right? Uh, in order to say, hey, there's there's enough of a foundation here that they can go out and take some swings, and they can take some swings on quality over quantity, and, and say, hey, if you get if you come out of this class with seven players. But three of those are, are impact playmakers. You got an impact wide receiver. You got an impact edge rusher. You got a, you know, a, a, the future solidified at tackle. Whatever the the position is, and you can say you've got, you know, it takes a little extra draft capital to get there. If they dip into next year's draft capital, I'm going to be pretty comfortable mm-hmm. with all of that. Uh, so yeah, I, I think seven is probably the magic number. Uh, I, I can't imagine Veach getting through this draft without trading up. Yeah, right. It's going to, and it's it's probably going to be, you know, if it's not day one, you know, with that second round pick, he loves that hot zone. He always talks about that kind of, you know, 30 through 50 or 60, where he feels like there's a lot of, a lot of names he can go for. He's always talked about that, but yeah, I'm, I I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't mind tapping into future draft capital. Again, if you're finding, you know, if you feel like you're finding guys that are going to be long-term players for you, and, and hey, you know, the next year's draft isn't in Kansas City. You know, this year's draft is. So if that means moving up day one, you got to use next year's, you know, some some picks next year to, to make a splash on day one. I'm just saying. I'm just saying appease the fans, Clark Hunt, or appease the, appease <laughs> the fans, Brett Veach. There are going to be a lot of us hopefully not freezing our butts off, but potentially with, with Kansas City weather, hopefully not. But uh, we got to hope that they're not making any decisions based on uh, Clark Hunt <laughs> saying, I want you to make this pick or – or the fans uh, being there in Kansas city, but it's going to be a heck of a lot more fun if they make at least one pick while I'm there watching the draft. than if, then if they punt to the second round by, by uh, trading down or, or trading that first round pick for a player uh, like they've done basically every year, of the Brett Beach era. So uh, yeah, I, I think, I think this is a, a good year for them where the draft lines up with their needs pretty well. Uh, and they can take some swings and they can take some swings on some other positions maybe that are that are surprising so uh, i wouldn't rule out a, an athletic tight end you know in, right. in, uh, in the early to mid rounds I, I think there's some some stuff that they could do for future replacements for uh for impact players uh, i think it's gonna be an exciting draft yes sir well stags i had a good time on today's show broke down the draft i hope everyone appreciate or everyone listened 
just uh just make sure you plug the people on where they can find you on twitter and maybe just uh i don't know if uh, maybe plug your uh any pieces you have out right now pieces you may be looking at in the future what do you got for the people well i appreciate being here and everybody taking their time to listen of course uh it feels like a, a reunion after the the uh, podcast that we do during the regular season. Uh, when the regular season ends, the playoffs end. Uh, I don't get to talk to Ron as much every week, so it's been it's been fun to be here. Uh, so, but definitely look for our uh, market movers pieces. Uh, we may do some future market movers podcast or or stock up stock down podcast as well. Uh, I'm writing some always writing the winners and losers. So. I, there's a winners losers piece piece out there for the first week of free agency, uh, trying to look at some of the players most affected uh, by the Chiefs' uh, moves. Uh, we'll do another one of those coming up, uh, just looking at the next wave of free agency and also looking at the next wave of draft prospects. And as this process continues, draft prospects, you know, they have uh, it's a, it's a long process, long process, right? You've got the, the NFL scouting combine, you've got the pro days, uh, you're going to have a lot of uh, individual workouts and other things, uh, news coming out. And so hopefully we'll have some some updates on prospects and where their stock is headed for you over the next couple of weeks. As always, arrowheadpride.com has got it, got it covered from top to bottom with, with more content than ever this year in this draft process. So for real. So stay tuned. Yeah, no, that's true. We have a huge staff of guys that are passionate about the draft. It's It's been a very fun process. But, yeah, you're right, Sagan. It's uh, you know, we got a month, uh, about five weeks out. It's it's go time. We're about to you know start really digging deep, getting ready for Kansas City's draft. Appreciate everyone listening. Make sure you're tuned into everything. We will be back. We'll be back next week with a new show. In the meantime, have a good time. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.